The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. You people, you know who I am. But you don't know why I'm here. This is where the big boys play, huh? Look at the adjective. Play. Go at it live on WCW Monday Nitro, where the big boys play every Monday night at 8 on TNT. Hello and welcome to Nitro Nights, a WCW look back podcast brought to you by the SJP World Media Network. My name is Sai, and with me as always to look back on this crazy up and down company from 20 plus years ago is the wrestling encyclopedia himself, Scottish Danny. Danny, you doing good this week, my friend? Yep, doing really well, thank you, Sai. How's yourself? Not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Excited to get into this episode of Nitro with you after last week's I wasn't overly impressed with. So, yeah, hopefully this will take an upturn for me. Definitely, mate. I feel the same way. I mean, last week we just was talking about the giant and things like that. So hopefully this will be a bit better. Hopefully so. Hopefully so. Uh, The Nitro we are talking about, of course, follows on from last week. So this is the 22nd of April, 1996 edition. Your TV ratings for that Monday night was another win for Monday Night Raw, believe it or not. 3.3 for Raw, whereas Nitro got a 2.7. So similar numbers still watching wrestling. We're not seeing an increase just yet. And Raw is still just sort of pipping away with those wins, Danny, isn't it? It is. I guess they like Savio Vega after all. <laughs> well, yeah, someone's got to. Um, no, that, that was harsh. Savio's all right. Savio's all right. Uh, we begin this week's Nitro with a rematch. Well, we're getting told a rematch from last week with the tag team titles on the line, Sting and Luger. And they are going to be facing the team of the Giants and Ric Flair again, similar to last week. But on this occasion, all the titles are on the line. So Flair's World Championship is on the line in a tag match, so I'm not overly fond of. The TV title of Luger's that we were discussing the other week uh, is also on the line. And apparently, even if the Giant pins Ric Flair, he becomes World Champion, even though they're on the same team. Seems a little convoluted to me, Danny. That really is. I don't see how that would work at all. Unless he Could he tag in Lex Luger or could he tag in Sting? I just don't get his side. <laughs> No, no, but we will get to that shortly because that is our main event of this episode of Nitro. Uh, we open, though, with another tag match, and we have the Public Enemy, who were involved in a crazy brawl last week that we weren't overly fond of here. Uh, and they are facing the American Males in a more straightforward, traditional 
tag team match format. On the introductions here, however, we get the famous clip of Eric Bischoff referring to the WWF as the World Whining Federation. He runs through the results of the pre-taped Raw so people won't turn over. And after a couple of matches, he goes yawn to, to, you know, to, to hint at their products being vastly superior to the WWF, Stanley. What did you think of this, this tactic by Eric Bischoff? Oh, I mean, we've, something we've discussed at the very early stages of this show is like, um, it just feels like dirty, like sort of cheap, doesn't it? It's like, I mean, we know inside he was doing things like that, but it was just like, oh, come on, could you have done this in a more subtle way? Yeah, I, I kind of get with you with what you're saying there. Uh, on the other side of the coin, if I was in Bischoff's position, I'd probably do something similar if I had that option there. If I knew we were live every week and they were pre-taped and people were flicking between the channels, because they used to look at the TV ratings uh, by by every quarter of an hour segment. So if people were turning back and forth, I would do my best to make sure they stopped on our station and stayed, to be honest. Yeah, and include if that means means uh mentioning um the wwf's names um i mean it's something that in hindsight came back to bite them on the ass isn't it it is it is yes but obviously that's that's what we will get to in future weeks and months no doubt uh we also get a mention of the loose cannon here brian pillman who's not been on our screens for a short period of time he's still you know running off to ecw and causing chaos there and apparently he's had some form of an accident uh, I think Bischoff explains it was a motorbike accident, but there's also other reports saying it was an accident in a car. And this actually ended up with Pillman in a coma for a period, and he smashed his ankle to pieces, which then restricted him heavily going forward in his wrestling career and resulted in him you know, having to take painkillers to a certain extent and so on. So quite a quite, quite an important moment, uh, you know, positive or negative, I guess, in the wrestling landscape and in Brian Pillman's career and life, Danny. Yeah, definitely was. And sadly, it had the American male's uh, theme music blasting all over it. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it definitely <laughs> is important. Yes, yes, I think so. I think so. I mean, getting to the match, however, I think this is a vast improvement to the public enemy match we saw last week. It's not just chaos with the nasty boys and, and weapons and no selling and just no structure or anything like that. This is actually a proper you know structured tag contest and the crowd are very much into this match aren't they yeah they definitely are it's like i noticed at the beginning they were booing um the american males but the further we got into this it seemed like the american males were getting cheered yeah i i can't figure out the american males i mean we know what happens with these guys with regards to gimmicks going forward and so on but it's just to me, that kind of gimmick, you're asking for trouble with the male audience because these guys are coming out as baby faces. In theory, they're there to appeal to the lady fans, which should, I suppose, mean that the men are going to boo them because of that. They're coming out dancing and posing and, and basically displaying that they're both good-looking chaps and so on. So I can understand why they may get booed from certain areas of the crowd. However... I also don't see the women really going crazy for them in a way that perhaps WCW hope. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, mate. But like, it's just like, maybe if the women don't go crazy for them, the film studios was because we get a mention of uh, Marcus Bagwell starring in a film here. Did um, you know what film this was? 
I don't know, but I'm going to assume that you've seen this. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely uh, seen it on uh, YouTube for one of those dark nights. It's um, it's a softcore um, porn movie, but I, the name escapes me, but I do remember watching it many years ago. <laughs> oh, dear me, Danny. Oh, dear me. <laughs> I hope your missus is Emph- it. <laughs> <laughs> Emphasis on the softcore, please, people. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh, Marcus Bagwell, you cheeky little scamp. Um, <laughs> well, I should... just think just think about it. Next month, maybe a bonus show we could uh, throw in there. I can safely say hand on heart that will never, ever happen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, as I said, the crowd are into this, and it's, it's a bit more of a proper structured tag match with proper tags in and out and so on. But we get a really strange, crappy finish, just as it kind of gets going, Danny, don't we? Yeah, that was very, very odd. It was like um, this. I think we've talked about this briefly before. The over the top rope disqualification, I really thought was abolished by this point. I mean, this is mid. Yeah, yeah, it's like mid 96 or early to mid 96. And we have um, over the top rope. That's something I believe that was from the Jim Hurd era, wasn't it? It, Yeah, it it was also used in NWA title matches way back when as well. So you had you had two sets of rules at one point when when the NWA titles and the WCW titles were both on the same pay-per-views. You had one set of rules saying over the top rope was okay, the other wasn't. And it got quite confusing watching those those shows back in the day. But yeah, I mean, I, I was the same as you. I, I thought that had been log abolished. But yeah, here we are seeing a match end because somebody is sent over the top rope. And then, of course, we get the public enemy sandwich through a table, as Eric Bischoff describes it, where Rocco Rock... Uh, effectively swantons onto Johnny Grunge and knocks his opponent through a table on the outside, which I think looks quite impressive, to be fair. It looks impressive, but it's also like it's taking out your tag team partner, isn't it? <laughs> mm. Yes, I'd rather be Rocco Rock than Johnny Grunge. I'm not going to lie in that situation. <laughs> uh, after this, uh, I suppose, odd finish to that match, we get a... Uh, an advert, I suppose, telling us that Chris Benoit versus Eddie Guerrero is coming up. So straight away, my attention is is peaked because I'm thinking, okay, this has got the potential to be very, very good. Uh, then we have Mean Gene on the entranceway, and he has two ladies there um, who I think are the ring girls. They collect the coats and so on from wrestlers as they as they enter the the ring, ready for their matches. And they're drawing more contests for the Battle Bowl, which is going to be happening at the next WCW pay per view, Slambury. And the Battle Bowl format, for those that are unfamiliar, is that it's a random draw and it's tag team matches. Anyone can partner with anyone and that team could face a combination of anyone partnering with anyone else. And the winners of those tag matches go into an eight-man match at the end of the night. And the winner of that gets a title shot at the following pay-per-view. It's kind of how it's structured. Uh, the matches that are drawn here for us by Mean Gene and his two uh, lady companions here we have Hugh Morris and Meng, and they're going to be facing the team of Barbarian and Bobby Walker. Do you know much about Bobby Walker, Danny? No, but I do really like his uh, nickname, Hard Work. That's re- that's a yeah. really <laughs> cool um Yeah, I mean, also, you've got to think as well, that, that combination there of Meng and the Barbarian, they're normally partners, and they're facing off against each other in this random draw. So that I quite like about this format. And we also get the uh, a second match drawn, and we have Stevie Ray of Harlem Heat, and he is going to be tagging with Big Bubba Rogers, and they are going to face the team of Scott Norton and Ice Train, who are known as Fire and Ice. So that's actually a tag team 
that's already established, as, as short a time as it may well be, it's already an established tag team drawn together, which is quite interesting, Danny. That really is, and I'm looking forward to seeing um, Scott Norton and Ash training in tag team um, action because it's like, um, I don't think we've seen them on Nitro yet, have we? I don't think so. Maybe in, we've seen Scott Norton, but as a combination, yeah. I, I think I think we've not, no. Yeah, it sounds very uh, in- interesting tag team name, Fire and Ice. Yes, yeah. I mean, a pretty cool name, to be fair. A pretty straightforward, simple name, but I quite like it. Yeah. The, the next match drawn, though, is the most interesting of all because we obviously have this whole issue with Randy Savage going crazy and attacking Flair and all this sort of stuff. Uh, and they are drawn as partners for their match at Slambury. And they're going to be facing the team of Bobby Eaton and Arn Anderson. No, fuck me. I got that wrong. No, no Eddie. Yeah. Eddie Guerrero. Yeah. And they are going to be facing the team of Eddie Guerrero and Ric Flair's fellow horseman, Arn Anderson. So we're going to see Flair potentially battle Arn. We're going to see Arn team up with Eddie Guerrero, which is fantastic. But then you've got the dynamic of Flair and Savage on the same same side as well. That's quite a big one for me. That's massive. I mean, uh, completely, uh, completely random isn't it it just like mm. how can that happen that rick flair and, and macho man who've been feuding for months and months and months suddenly end up on the same team <laughs> yes it's it's great storytelling i think it's great storytelling yeah and they're using they're using that supposed random draw very very well to their benefit i believe uh up next we do get the contest between eddie guerrero and chris benoit and to be honest i don't think this lets us down it's incredibly fast. Both of these guys are so, so good at what they do. And in 1996, I, st- I think they're still pretty much ahead of the times with regards to certain things they do as well. The reaction of some of the commentary uh, hints towards that also. They're seeing things potentially for the first time or seeing things done in a better way for the first time. The match starts with lots of fast arm drags and drop kicks by Eddie Guerrero. Benoit slips out the ring to sort of get his head back together. He then takes control with an eye rake and, and a massive suplex. Uh, I mean, there's so much going on here in such a short period of time. Danny, how how did you find this match? I loved this match. Um, Like you said, it was just like really, really fast paced. This is the first time we've seen. You've gone, mate. I can't hear you. Both Chris Benoit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, really, really fast paced. Um, it's been the first time we've seen them on the same show, but it's like, um, yeah, the arm drags, backdrops, suplexes, yeah, really, really enjoyable match. Yes, I agree. I agree. There's an amazing flying head scissors by Eddie Guerrero as well, and he somehow gets incredible height on this move, considering Benoit doesn't actually hit the six foot mark and Guerrero is around his neck. It's, mm. it's incredible how high he gets. Uh, Benoit also hits a German suplex or a net bridge, which looks pretty spectacular. But then we get the finish kind of out of nowhere, don't we? Benoit counters almost, I suppose, what looks like a sort of sunset flip attempt by Eddie Guerrero. And his four horsemen heel tendencies come out as he hooks the ropes to make sure he gets the win. So a bit of a shoddy finish, not particularly a clean finish. But the match itself, I thought was, I thought was really good, Danny. Yeah, it kind of goes back to the old uh, saying about WSW just didn't know what to do with finishes <laughs> because, um, as you said, this was an excellent match and then kind of finished like this. But on the other hand, it does play up to Chris Benoit's heel persona. But yeah, I would have preferred a clean finish for this. Mm, 
I reckon. I reckon. I mean, it's it's it seems very modern. It seems very flash. It seems very fast paced. So then we get the image of coming up next, Meng versus Duggan. So that's just fallen off a cliff pretty bloody quickly, hasn't it? <laughs> it really has. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we get to that match though we have mean gene talking with a fellow by the name of rob garner who is part of the wcw committee i guess management side of things and they're talking about the conduct and behavior of one macho man randy savage and savage arrives as well he's warned about his conduct he, he threatens to give rob garner an open-handed slap which is nice uh, and says he's going to behave how he wants, effectively. So, I mean, to me, it's, it's again, trying to add to that crazy side of Savage they're trying to hint towards. But it almost doesn't quite do enough for me again, Danny. How do you think this whole Savage character of him being supposedly crazy and wild and needing security is panning out at this present time? It's definitely... Um... I wouldn't say it's bad, but um, it needs improvement, I think, because, I mean, it's very believable that Savage is like this, especially with a commentary um, driving home the fact that his wife is just spending his money left, right and centre. Um, I did note down that much a man at one point did threaten to blow up City Hall. And I was like, Macho Man, is he a terrorist? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> the macho bomber, yeah. Randy Savage. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, yeah, so... Um, I found that funny, but um, I have to give um, props to Rob Garner because he definitely he didn't back down, did he? He was in much a man's face. Yeah, yeah. I think he plays his role relatively well here. He's not a guy who we've seen on the screen um, well at all, I don't think, really. Uh, so this could be potentially his TV debut, or even if it's not his TV debut, he has very limited screen time, and I think he deals with it quite well. Yeah, definitely. And then his... Um, his professional opinion was that Macho Man needed professional help and um, Macho Man just flew off the handle at this assertion and was like, I don't need a psych, I don't need a psychiatrist. And um, yeah, yeah, so it's definitely leading somewhere. Yes, and I'll be honest, I think knowing what we know about Randy Savage in his career mm. and his personal traits, if anyone needs to seek therapy, it probably is him. That's a great point. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is followed up by the aforementioned Meng versus Jim Duggan match. And we've said on the show, this, well, this show and numerous other shows in the past, I'm a big Duggan fan purely because I've, I've met the guy and he was fantastic and seen him interact with the young kids who had come to see him wrestle. Uh, I mean, he was in his 70s when I saw him, I believe. It, it was fantastic. The guy is just an absolute gem. He's such a nice fella. However... This, to me, seems really out of place because the main event is coming up. It's for all four titles, and there's some you know, massive names involved in that match. The opener was relatively decent. It wasn't a great contest, but any stretch of the imagination, I had a bit of a wobbly finish, of course, but it was a, it was a decent enough opener, I guess. The Eddie Guerrero-Benoit match, finish aside, was very, very good. This almost feels like a throwback to the 80s here. It's almost like WCW took two steps forward, and then one step back with this. I mean, the match itself, before I get your opinion, Danny, I'll, I'll very quickly run through it. Duggan punches a lot. Meng chops a lot. Meng uses nerve holds. And then Duggan tapes his fist and wins with a punch. That's effectively what we see, isn't it? Yeah, I wrote down very similar notes um, to that. It was, um, I also wrote down um, 
just before we get into the finish, it was like I could at this point. I mean, we know Jim Duggan is a babyface, but he was playing such a heel in this, going for two foreign objects, wasn't he? Yeah, but I don't mind it from Duggan. Again, I just think the mm. guy's great. He just cracks me up. I don't know. I can't. I can't put my finger on it. Again, it may just all come back to. I know the guy's not the greatest in the ring. I know his heyday was very much WrestleMania three and before. Uh, and then on the territory days when he worked in, in around the, you know the old mid safe territory and so on and his brawling style etc. But he becomes a bit of a cartoon character in the WWF and he stuck with that guy's for the rest of his career and he's still doing it now. I know he's not the greatest in ring competitor you're ever going to see, but again, just seeing the guy live and he took the time to you know have a picture and took the time to just meet people outside the venue as well when he wasn't getting paid anymore and so on. Just, I, I just got a bit of a soft, soft spot for the guy. I think he's brilliant. No, I see your point, mate, um, with that. And that story is definitely something that made me um, like Jim Duggan a bit more than I did previously. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, we, we all do have our favourites. I mean, if my favourite um, went to use a fine object, I would say, ah, oh, come on, just he's just trying to get the advantage, especially over somebody like Meng. I mean, you'd need an advantage, wouldn't you? <laughs> Yeah, exactly, mate. Exactly. Uh, after we have this kind of blast from the past contest, I guess, for want of a better phrase, we have a little bit more from Mean Gene, and he's drawing more matches for the Slamboree Battle Bowl pay per view that is upcoming. We have Alex Wright and Disco Inferno drawn together. So, two dancing dickheads there. And they are going to be <laughs> facing the team of Bobby Eaton and Dick Slater. Mm, I bet that's going to be lost somewhere very much in the mid card. It doesn't exactly inspire, does it? Uh, the, the next match drawn, though, is interesting. We have the team of VK Wall Street, and he is going to be partnering with the aforementioned Hacksaw Jim Duggan. But it's the opposition that I find intriguing because we have a brutal feud at the moment between Stephen Regal or William Regal and Fit Finley, who is known here as the Belfast Brawler. They are drawn together as a team in the Battle Bowl. So again, obviously we know how it works. It's not random. This is all set up, of course. But I think they're using it very, very well again, Danny. They really are. And I'm really enjoying the um, inclusion of like these um, lower card guys like Disco Inferno and Alex Wright. And I'm just glad that we didn't get the booty man and Disco Inferno on the tag team. <laughs> well, yeah, there is that. I believe the booty man is involved in the pay-per-view though, isn't he? He gets mentioned at oh, some point. Oh, no. I'm not too sure, but we'll just we'll just ignore <laughs> that for now. We'll, we'll, we won't mention yes. him until we absolutely have to. Ah, oh, dear. Deal. Bloody, <laughs> bloody booty, man. Um, <laughs> this brings us then to our main event of the evening. All the titles are on the line. The tag team titles held by Sting and Luger are being defended. But also, as mentioned by Danny and I at the start of the episode, if Luger takes the pin, he loses his television title as well. If Flair takes the pin, he loses his world title. In theory, if Flair pins Luger, he walks out of there with so much gold, he's going to need a, you know, a suitcase to carry it. <laughs> That's true. Uh, speaking of Mr. Flair, we get a little bit more with him and Deborah, Mongo McMichael's wife, on the side uh, of, of, the, of the entranceway, I guess. He goes over and starts talking to Deborah again and, and basically being how Flair is. On this occasion, though, we get a little bit more from Mongo on commentary. In the past, he's waved it off and she's just here to watch the matches. She's not bothered by a jackass like Ric Flair. 
On this occasion, Mongo is kind of getting a bit more agitated. He seems a little bit more flustered about Flair's intentions towards his wife, Danny, doesn't he? Yeah, I noticed that. I wrote it down. It was like, maybe this could be building to something. But it was like, um, yeah, I mean, also, why is Deborah showing up every single week? <laughs> I just found that a bit odd. Well, she likes the matches, mate. She likes to go to the matches. That's what Mongo says. She's just a wrestling fan, apparently. <laughs> wow, that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh, as this entrance is is completed, though, Randy Savage arrives. He is uh, held back from Flair and handcuffed again and escorted out. Now, on this occasion, I'm thinking that works. On this occasion, he does look like the crazed individual that they're talking about, as opposed to earlier on with his interaction with the WCW uh, fellow off the committee. Something that tickled me a little bit was the referee trying to hold all the belts up. That was funny. <laughs> I noticed that as well. He, he was having trouble, wasn't he? <laughs> he was. I mean, some of those weigh quite a bit, mind. And he's got both tag belts, the TV title, the world title, and he's struggling with all of them. And he can't, he can't display them all. And he almost drops one at one stage. I, I don't know why that I find that so funny, but it just tickled me. Yeah, definitely. I, I do know the World Heavyweight Championship weighs 10 pounds. Um, so take that for what you will. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, the 10 pounds of gold is obviously the the NWA mm. title before the big belt. I would oh, think yeah. that maybe the big belt potentially weighs a touch more than that. Cause just, just because of its size. I don't know. Um, my replica isn't of exact weight and it's still got quite a bit to it. So I would assume that it weighs a touch more than 10 pounds, but either way, it's not just the, the weight of it. The big gold belt is a big gold belt, obviously. And then you've got the other belts, all different sizes. He's trying to hold four of them. It, it, it's just funny watching the guy struggle. I don't again. I don't know why I laughed at it, but it just tickled me. So <laughs> this is why you tuned in to that channel, that's people just to get belt talk. <laughs> <laughs> I could do a whole podcast on title belts, mate. I bloody love that shit. Um, <laughs> the the match starts with the baby faces double teaming the largest man in the match, the giant, and the crowd bloody love Lex Luger and Sting, but I really notice it with Luger. They love everything Luger is doing, don't they? This is where the story is paying off. I mean, every week they've been consistent with this. They haven't been like what we've seen with the Giant or with Hulk Hogan. They have stuck to their roles and it really is paying off now. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how this ends up. Mm. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Uh, we get told that there's a special grudge match at Slambury. And that's going to be between Sting and the Giant. So obviously neither of these guys are involved in the Battle Bowl for a world title opportunity at this point, which is a bit of a shame, you know, as we stand at this moment in the timeline. Um, Ric Flair is bumping around all over the place when he finally tags in. He's, he's bumping for Luger massively. He takes a huge suplex from Sting off the top rope as well. Um, it, it's, I mean, to me, 1996 Ric Flair isn't his peak. But what we've seen the last few weeks on the show, I think the guy is doing some brilliant work. Oh, absolutely stellar. I mean, he's really stepped up his game um, and he's yeah, really, really enjoying it. But we also get a mention of uh, Mongo McMichael and Eric Bischoff who say that the Giant has um, a Detroit Lions tryout next week. So he could not be around WSW for a long time. Wow, that's interesting. That's interesting. <laughs> That's got to be some kind of a publicity stunt, surely. Yeah. I mean, he had to be signed to a WCW contract, surely. They wouldn't let him just mm. walk off into another sport. No, that's right. 
I mean, also, what if he gets hurt during the match, which then stops his trial? Or what if he gets hurt during the trial, which then stops him wrestling? Yeah, it's got to be some kind of a publicity stunt, I would imagine. Yeah, maybe it's something to just big up his size. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Uh, we get a moment with Sting where he misses, oh, I suppose, almost a Stinger splash effort, but it's on the outside to so the crowd barrier, and he hits the barrier quite hard, so the heels then take control for a while. Woman is walking around with her little plastic cup of hot coffee again, so that's something to bear in <laughs> mind there. Uh, we have plenty of back and forth between the teams, and you know, even when the show goes to an advert and returns, it's still back and forth. No one really seems to dominate for a long period of time, Danny, do they? Yeah, I noticed. I was very, very evenly matched. Um, yeah, you had Sting just absolutely just throwing drop kicks left, right, and centre, <laughs> and then you had an amazing, amazing uh, hot tag uh, when he tagged Lex Luger, and Luger just came in and wiped out everybody, and was just on fire here. Yes, and again, more of that awesome crowd reaction for Luger. They love him. Mm. Uh, effectively, the match finishes, though, around woman and her coffee once again. Flair ends up cornered with both baby faces, uh, literally that, pinning him into the corner. And woman passes Ric Flair her coffee. He goes to throw it at either Sting or Luger. You, you can't quite make out what his plan is. Both the baby faces part ways. And it hits the giant in the face who, who sells this like he's been hit by acid. It's quite dramatic, <laughs> the giant's reaction here. The match is effectively thrown out then, isn't it? It's kind of just the bell rings. It kind of stops. Um, Ric Flair runs away, but it turns out he's running to the back to get a towel <laughs> for the giant <laughs> to dry the coffee out of his eyes, which I thought was fantastic. <laughs> that was brilliant, Si. I mean, this, yeah, this definitely made me chuckle. Yes, indeed. And, and Mean Gene then comes to the ring and we get a very ranty, shouty promo from the giant. He's not happy that he's had hot coffee thrown in his face. Put it that way. I mean, why would you be? Flair has escaped to elsewhere in the building and has a microphone himself. And he rants back at the giant and he says he's he apologized. It's up to the giants to accept his apology. Uh, he's sick of it. Next week, he's going to kick his big ass, apparently. Oh, and that set the giant off big time, didn't it? He just snapped after that, after he got called a big ass. <laughs> perhaps he's, you know, perhaps that's a flashpoint for him. You know, everyone's got their insecurities. Perhaps the giant is, is his bum. Perhaps he's got, you know, a, a real big personality issue with his backside and Flair touched upon it. Who knows? Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe. But I also wondered if this was um, one of his many, many, many baby face slash heel turns. I'm not sure if this one was counted in the uh, initial list. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I, I still think that the giant is being uh, positioned to be Hogan's opponent when Hogan returns. So you would, in in theory, I would assume the giant is still going to be working as a heel. But I suppose we'll find out in the next coming weeks. But I mean, that that effectively ends the show. We get told that you know by Bischoff with his finger in his ear, as always listening to somebody backstage when in fact he makes the decisions. He's uh, <laughs> he is saying. <laughs> Yes, that's going to happen next week. Flair will face the Giant. And actually, it's going to be for the world title. So completely out of the blue, we're getting a world title match announced, Danny. For the second week in a row, because um, for this episode of Nitro, we didn't know going in we were going to have a world championship match. So now for the second week, wow. I mean, could this be pressure from Eric Bischoff that Raw is winning the ratings? Well, it's, I think it's quite a good idea because... Uh, next week, the next week's Nitro leads into the basketball. 
I think it's the playoffs yeah. potential. I'm not 100% sure. So people are going to be hovering around that channel anyway. So I can understand why they were trying to get people to tune in a bit earlier and catch their show. And if there's the promise of a world title contest on, on Nitro next week, they may get eyes across from, from the channel opposing them. They may get Raw fans tuning in to see a world title match. And also, they may be trying to get some of the basketball fans or some of the casual wrestling fans who would tune in normally for the basketball to maybe switch over the channel a bit earlier and catch the end and see what happens with the world title contest. So I think it's, I think it's quite a clever move, Danny. Yeah. That, now this all makes sense about the, the giant China for the Detroit lions and things like that. Now it's starting to make sense. Now you've cleared up for me, so I thank you, mate. Well, I don't know about that, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's uh, that's for us to look forward to on next week's episode of Nitro and next week's episode of Nitro Nights. Before we depart, however, Danny, we need to give this show a rating. Hit, miss or middling and our woos and our oh brothers, our good points and our bad points. Woo! Brother, 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 brothers, brother. Woo! Brother. Do you want to go first or second this week, bud? I'll go uh, first this week, side mate. You carry on, my friend. So um, it would for me this would be a middle because um, I mean you had some great matches but the finishes of all the matches on this kind of just let me down big time so it's a low middle mate how about you mate well yeah for me it's a middle as well I give it a middle for pretty much the same reasons as you there's some good wrestling on there uh, the Duggan Meng match I, I could have done without to be fair but yeah I mean it it was good about being spectacular so a middle works. Um, what about your old brother? What what do you see as a negative to this? hundred percent. It has to be the finish of um, the the uh, the P- public enemy versus American males match because um, it wasn't a pleasant surprise, was it? It was a nasty <laughs> surprise. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, that'll be mine. How about yours, mate? Mine is very similar. Mine is the finishes in general. We have what four matches on this card. And none of them finish clean. There's either yeah. cheating or a DQ or a coffee incident, however that is. So yeah, there's four matches on this card, and none of them have a clean finish. I don't. I didn't mm. enjoy that aspect. Um, the other side of the coin, though, bud. Your woo, your good point. So the woo would be. Um how important the main event did feel because even though it was just thrown together and at the beginning of the show, at least um, it felt important and it was built up throughout the show. So yeah, that would be my woo. Yeah, I, I agree with you on, on the aspect of how important it felt. It did have that real big match feel to it and the, and the crowd, mm. I think, reacted to that. They, they had that big match feel in the audience, it felt like, sitting at home and watching on the television. Uh, but my woo is actually the Benoit Guerrero match before the finish. I couldn't take my eyes off it. I had so, such yeah. minimal amounts of notes and I had to scan back and watch bits of it again because I stopped taking notes just to watch the contest. I enjoyed it that much. I, I want to see more of these two facing each other. Definitely. And that's something I hope we see going forward because it's been a while since we've seen um, them two on Nitro, hasn't it? Yes, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Uh, it just seems very much like WCW has, well, they're starting to put together quite the roster. So exciting times, my friend. Exciting times. Definitely. Before we depart, Danny, do you want to let everybody know whereabouts they can find you online and all the brilliant shows and content you're involved with? Please. Yep, you can find me on Twitter at 
Scottish Juggalo. You can hear me on One Man's Meat Podcast with the great Chris Bellis. You can hear me on Back When with the great Ty Peters. And you can hear me here next week where we'll be talking about a WCW Championship match with the great Cy Powell. I uh, see so all this great 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 you're, you're you're flattering to me mate you make me blush but thank you very much you're very kind uh you can follow well the network is where you want to be following not me nobody wants to follow me follow the network at sjp world media on twitter and facebook uh there is a group on facebook you need to request to join and there's links to all the shows and so on there and there's also a page on facebook as well which does the same job so whichever way you prefer jump on in or do it all follow on twitter the page on facebook and the group on facebook whatever you want to do and via SJP World Media, you get links to all the shows that the network carries, all sorts of wrestling, all sorts of television content, all, all sorts of podcasts covering all sorts of categories with some fantastic, fantastic people hosting those shows. Uh, and most importantly, I guess, you can follow this show itself via SJP World Media on Facebook and Twitter at Nitro underscore Nights. That's at Nitro underscore nights so check us a follow online follow the network on all your podcast players follow the youtube channel as well give us a subscribe there tick the little bell so you know whenever chain wrestling and whoever else in the future is going live and uh, yeah join us next week for more nitro danny it's been a blast my friend it has mate i was looking forward to next week me too me too and to everyone else as always thank you for listening 